the move. Blasted towards goal. Cenku Jack got it there. Cenku Jack's first goal in AFL footy. He looks brilliant. Wingard. Spinning move was superb. How good that time to look over his shoulder. Jack Wingard, brilliant. Simply brilliant. That Brockman by hand. More, more. Bends it. Nails it. The Hawks are up by three goals. Grabs the jumper. The Hawks had a chance to go three in a row against finals contenders, but instead gallantly went three quarters with the D's before falling away late. Welcome back to the Hawthorne Fancast, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, James. Now, it wasn't the result we wanted, James, but you can't help but feel proud of the effort. Matt, it was a fun watch on the weekend, actually. We didn't play badly at all. I went from the MCG pretty happy with the performance. We ran out of legs in the last quarter to a side that's probably the most well-drilled in the competition. They've played a lot of their footy for the last seven years together as that group, and they knew exactly what to do to kind of outwork us in the last quarter. But, I mean, if we're taking it up to Melbourne with a with a really depleted side as it was, with no Mitch Lewis, no Wingard, no Newcomb, um, no Brandon Ryan, if you even want to include him on the weekend, if we're taking up again, if we're taking up to Melbourne like that. We're going places. Yeah, and we gave ourselves a red-hot crack, really, with how, how close we were in that last quarter. And you, you also think about how Day went off injured in the last quarter and he was pretty integral for the rest of the game. Finn's tag got broken, uh, much to good wins, I'm sure, his uh, pleasure. <laughs> oh, wasn't that brilliant? Yeah, it was a good win for uh, Finn. He got a two-year contract after that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Ramsden got taken off, which definitely upset the balance a little bit because Lever sort of had a bit of a field day after that. Yeah, well, I mean, that was... Um my point is I didn't like the sub of Sarong. Scrimshaw was uh, doing really well in the back line for most of the day. Um, and then Sarong gets subbed on for Ramsden, takes Scrimshaw's spot, and Scrimshaw gets thrown down in the forward line. And I feel like that really messed up our defensive structure and what had been working so well throughout the day kind of disrupted us in the last quarter. Yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with you fully in terms of defensive structure. I thought it still held up okay. I thought Sarong was actually really good when he came on. I thought it was more our forward structure sort of fell to pieces without Rams in there to block some of the big boys out. So I, I didn't agree with that. And I think I remember uh, it might have been the Richmond game when Denver got subbed off as well. It really upsets your balance when you sub a key forward off and you're playing on some pretty good key defenders. It's kind of a field day after that for them. So I didn't really agree with uh, subbing off a key key player in those sort of vital moments. I'd like to see sort of maybe like a winger, something come off. Well, it's one of those games where we're like, where do we start with this one? Because we, we were good in so many aspects and then we're poor at times as well. And I really liked our midfield unit of Reeves, Warple, Nash and young Husswade on debut against Petrarca, Oliver, Gorn and Viney. I mean, that's an incredible effort. We won the clearances for the day, 13 to 11 centre clearances and 22 to 15 stoppage clearances. And stoppage clearances has been an area that we've struggled in our clearance work. We've been really good in the centre bounces. And then around the ground, our stoppages haven't been as good. I feel like that is probably the most impressive stat to take out from the weekend is that we had no Newcomb in there. That's probably been our best midfielder of the year. Most consistent, for Will sure. Day was playing a very sacrificial uh kind of spare in defense role so he didn't even i don't even know if he attended that many center bounces and then we had a debutant in young henry Husswaite, who was awesome well let's start with henry Husswaite because as you mentioned the midfield was fantastic but that was one of the best debut performances i've seen from a hawthorne player in quite some time two goals 15 touches he had the most tackles on the on the ground for hawthorne which was five um he didn't do much wrong did he uh young Husswaite? No, I mean, he just looks like an AFL player out there and he moves like an AFL player. And we've seen performances in Box Hill that probably haven't quite warranted a selection, has kind of looked like just a player. And then he comes into AFL as a late inclusion. And he's showing, and and there's been a lot of uh, comparisons to Pendlebury. And and they're kind of right in the way that he moves. He creates time. um, He's really quick with his disposal but he looks like he has a lot of time with the ball. So he makes good decisions. 
Um, I'm pretty sure his disposal efficiency was pretty high as well. 80%. And he, and he ended up managing to kick himself two snags, which I don't think he's been a goal kicker at Box Hill either. So. Nah, he mentioned after yeah. the game that he only actually kicked two goals for the whole season at Box Hill, which is quite incredible when you think about kicking two goals on your debut in AFL. So it was good that he was able to get, get into the game in another capacity because we do have we obviously have been talking about this year quite a lot about how natural midfielders are going to struggle to get into this Hawks midfield. Even you know with Newcomb's absence, you still saw Nash and Warple really picked up the load. So Hasselbeck was sort of also had to develop to a, a role that he may not be usually as comfortable with. But it's good to see that he made his well, mark and he'll stay in the side one hundred percent. Yeah, he didn't look out of place at all. And I think the play of the game for me was. Bruce had it at the top of the 50, and Bruce's old legs knew he couldn't make the distance, so he put a 45-metre kick across the 50, and Husswaite was lined up on Christian Petrarca, yeah, just was... outbodied him a little bit, took the mark, and then went back and slotted a snag. He looked like he's been doing it for 15 years, and it was his first game, and that was just awesome to see. Yeah, he's one of those um, personalities when you take a look at him. He looks like a cool, calm, collected sort of guy, like yeah. not really phased by the big game contest anything like that he looked like he was pretty comfortable in debut everything he did seemed smooth he didn't look like he was rushed and obviously he had enough nerve to kick those two goals quite straightforward so i loved henry's debut and i'd love to see more of him and i reckon this is great that he's getting an opportunity under this season to really springboard him into preseason and hopefully maybe even find a spot round one come next year because what a pick that would be i think he was number 37 in yeah. the draft yeah it's quite incredible for a uh, it was a bolter too yeah so. Especially when you consider, like, you know, McKenzie, who was at pick, like, six or seven, uh, is in Box Hill right now. You know, to be 37 and actually, you know, be at that stage where you're getting a senior game in your first year is quite impressive. Oh, absolutely. And he'll play next week, and I'm sure he'll have a career. And it's, it's good that he gets a game now, and that gives him a lot of confidence heading into preseason. He knows what it takes at AFL level. He now knows what he needs to work on uh, yeah. to improve at AFL level. And he can really attack preseason with a goal and a, and a good mindset in knowing what he has to do to take it to the next level because he's gotten a little bit of a taste of AFL and he'll probably get another taste this weekend. Yeah, you and think it'll give so. him a lot of confidence going into next year. Speaking of taste tests, let's go over the other young guys that played on the weekend. We had um, Jai Sarong. It was really Box Hill, Ned wasn't Long. it? Yeah, how did you think those two went? Oh, and Max Ramsden. So we got we had Max Ramsden, Jai Sarong, and Ned Long. Tell me a bit about how you thought those three went. Max Ramsden, I'll start with. Uh, I remember being at his first game against the Doggies earlier this year. Yeah. And he looked really raw, yeah. really out of place. I'm like, oh, just give it give it your best. And then early in the first quarter, this guy's taken marks at centre-half forward. He mm. even had a shot at goal. He had some good early moments, didn't he? Yeah, he had, a, he had a shot at goal. And it was really good for that forward structure. So he definitely looked more like an AFL player this time around, where yep. he looked kind of pretty the obvious outlier in his first game. And this game, he's looking like an AFL player a little bit more, definitely offered stuff up the ground and, and a target. And I know when it did go to him, he did compete. He didn't get out-muscled uh, like he did in that game against the Dogs, against Liam Jones and whoever he was on uh, early in the year. Uh, Ned Long was good in terms of he, he gives a lot of effort. You just know he's going to give it 100%. He's a really good runner. Um, he kind of understands the system a little bit more now. Um, but he just probably just needs to find a little bit more of the footy. But he's playing out of position. So he's at Box Hill, and he's playing right in the guts, centre bounces. And then you go into the AFL side, and you're asked to play on the half forward or a wing or half back, and you're on the outskirts. And we've seen Connor McDonald struggle with that, where he's a natural inside midfielder, and sometimes he fails to inject himself in the game by yeah. playing a position that he's not really used to. And I'm finding that with long... Uh, early in his career that my issue with Ned Long is what in his game style is elite what separates him from other AFL players I there, there's certainly talent there there's certainly effort uh, he's certainly a player but there's no elite attributes that I can see in Ned Long's game where I'm going to be like yeah he's going to be good here 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 yeah, Do you know what I'm saying? I, I sort of get what you mean on that aspect I think for me Ned Long also he strikes me as someone who isn't flexible with position. It's either he plays inside mid, uh, where his body sort of relates to it. See, I no, I, I understand what you say about his being him being a good runner, but I just saw him chasing people all day. Like he he, he was he's not very quick. I think I think that was more of a positional thing and being out of position yeah. where you have to do the chasing. I don't know. I don't know about his like. Where do you put him if he's not playing in the midfield on like a wing or? Well, see, this is the only reason I'll disagree with you a little bit on this. Is is he has the luxury and most of our midfielders do of their height 
So yeah. we've got a pretty tall midfield. But with he, is he really Day much of a marking way. sort of player? Well, I remember we, we, we played a game down in Norwood earlier in the year against GWS and we trialled him. We didn't really have any forward options and we trialled him down as a one-out kind of forward. And he sort of played that role okay. Yeah. And it's kind of a little bit like a Fergus Green role. He gives me the Dan Howe vibes. Uh, Do you know what I mean? No. Nah, he really does. He gives me that, that like... Just a you know, Yeah, he's probably got more talent than what Dan Howe's got, but he just gives me the, uh, the vibes that he... His body type and how he plays is really not suited to many of these sort of different positions you're going to get thrown into. At least, like, when you talk about other players, like uh, Conor McDonald, for example, has some amazing attributes on the outside that really suits him. Even if he's not a natural half forward, he's quick, he's agile, he's a good pickup. So, he's really good in different positions. You know, like a really tall, muscly man running around the outside doesn't really sit that well with me. So when Ned Long's in the team, it doesn't ultra excite me, I'd say, more than the other young yeah, players coming I, in. I know what you mean in Even that Even though sense. in Box Hill, I think he's a fantastic player. And I think there's a role for him, but it had to have been inside mid, which I was disappointed I didn't see him as much on the inside mid in the game. Well, considering we that Husswaite got the opportunities he did, and Husswaite's more probably of a natural inside mid than maybe what Ned Long is. Mm. Ned Long just plays that role a bit more at Box Hill. But I, I, don't, I don't mind Ned Long as a forward. I think there's something there due to his size mm. that he, he'd he be a difficult player to match up on. Is he out of contract? Or does he have one I more year left? he has on? one more year left. Okay, he's... So I, I'd say he's he now, but, a little bit lucky. But I agree that to the fact that if he wasn't, he would be on that chopping block, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, Jai Sarong, yeah. it was the other player we were talking a little bit about. Um, I really liked him. And, I, and I'm really happy I got to see him. And I hope, without premising too much of my ins and outs, he plays next week because I've been wanting to see him for quite a while. And I've been he's probably the player I've been the most impressed with at Box Hill over the last sort of three to four weeks. Um, you know, we need more key position players to come through and fill voids. And I thought he did well enough. I think he got six touches in the one quarter he was on, which is pretty decent. Um, so I hope he gets hopefully a full game this week. Well, yeah, I mean, Freo have Jai Amos and Sam Stern. We'll get to their side um, a bit later, but I feel like he might be a good matchup to play a full game next week. We saw a really small sample size, but a good sample size considering that Melbourne are really coming in the last quarter. They were peppering the forward line, and Sarong did some nice things, took some nice marks, and had a bit of it. Six touches in a quarter for a, a key defender is quite a lot yeah and uses the ball quite well so I, i'm going to enjoy seeing him play a lot more senior footy let's go back to the midfield for a second we got to talk about finn who did oh. another great lockdown role and just pissed signed off a Oliver two-year on. contract yep so he signed a two-year contract which what do you th- um, wait sorry what do you think about that two-year contract because i think we've been talking all year in this podcast about where do we see finn on the list yeah, next that's right. year yeah. uh what does he need to add to his game is he a complete player? And we know the answers to most of those questions. Mm. Um, so I want to hear your thoughts on what was your reaction when you saw him get two years? Um, obviously, the last three weeks is a nice sample side of, of some of his best. Um, but what, what were your th- original thoughts? I'm very happy. I was very happy with it. I thought it was well-deserved. I know, I think similar with a lot of Hawks fans and seeing people talk on social media, we've all sort of come for this natural evolution where oh, not sure about Finn. He doesn't really have much skills. He's kind of a bit of a, like a liability on the list yeah. a little bit. And then seeing him tag and then we go, okay, he's got one string to his bow. You know, he's a one-trick pony. Yeah. Can he develop more things? But then seeing how good he was at tagging and the job he did on Dacos and obviously Oliver and Libertore and all these other players across the comp, he's absolutely, did, you know, I think it sort of started with that GWS game when he shut down uh, Kelly. Yeah. Um, we sort of go, okay, well, if you're the best in your position at tagging and that's your role that you're asked to play right now, then 100% your weapon for us. We don't want another club having that kind of weapon. So Absolutely. I was very happy when he signed his contract. I think two years is a perfect amount of time for him to develop other areas of his game. I still do believe that you need to have other areas. Even if he is the best tagger, he still need will need to be a player where if you have to break the tag, like we did against Melbourne in the last quarter, are you going to have to get subbed off? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because... After I didn't really see him too much after he split the tag, so I needed I want him at least to be a player where if the tag's not working, okay, Finn, your role's sort of done for now. Can you now be a serviceable AFL player on the list? Well, yeah, I think it's just more accumulation of disposals for Finn. I feel like his skills have improved a little bit. Yeah. more. I'm not when he gets the ball, I'm not going. Oh no! See, Finn's I, I disagree. Got it. I actually don't think. I don't really care how much touches he gets. I think he got 13 on the weekend, which was only like one less than all of us. Yeah. So I had no problem with it at all. 
which is quite funny given Goody's comments. Um, but it's more about how he uses it, I think. I, I want him to be a, like a, you know, a good user of the ball. I, no, I think his skills are okay. It's more decision-making. Okay. He looks like a d- bit of a deer in headlights for me when he gets the ball. Uh, yeah, I get that a little bit. But I think the thing that I love about Finn the most is the leadership that he provides. He's a, he's a real professional it's in the character. way he goes about it. You just know during the week he is working so hard to work out what he needs to do to shut a player down and if he's not being able to do that, how he can impact other ways. And I know he's really trying to evolve that side of his game. So I think he, he's he's one to really watch in the preseason and then going early in the next year to see how much he's improved. Yeah, even like an area like the wing, I think, with his running capability, he well, could, he does be, a, start on he the could wing be a really dangerous sort of winger if yeah. he could use the ball well. I, I know he can do the defensive stuff. I know he runs off the square and goes to his man. We know the stuff he can do. It's just, can you be a damaging player? so that other clubs also have to watch you when you break the tag and don't just neglect you. Yeah. But right now, I was very happy with the two years. Were you happy with it as well? Oh, yeah. No, I was yeah. I was stoked. Um, there was probably a point mid-year where I thought he was going to be delisted and I was okay with that. Um, and then just seeing the back half of the year and since he's come back into the side, he's been one of our best. And not in terms of, as we mentioned, with ball in hand and things like that, but in terms of playing his role, he plays it as good as anyone in our side. Speaking of other players who got contracts, I don't think we've spoken about James Warple's contract. No, we extension. recorded last week, probably a day or two before he got his extension. Yeah, it's always the hard thing with the, with the <laughs> recording of the pods. We sometimes just miss these key bits of news. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, we t- we've talked about him so much this year, um, and in depth in the in the terms of uh, <laughs> that put that debate to bed quite quickly. Yeah, didn't we, it? we we said a lot about oh, do we see like do we trade in a better midfielder? Do we see his ceiling high enough? But it's so, and, and when we we're saying this, his form was really good that we're like, oh, we don't want to get rid yeah, of Warpool. Right. And since then, his form's been just as good, if not better. It, it, yeah, it's, it's maintained. I think on that point, it was more for me, uh, not we getting another midfielder, but one of our mids on the list can make it into the midfield. Yeah. That makes sense. So, like, I was thinking about, like, the Ward, C-Max, McKenzie's, all those sort of players on the, on the perimeter. Yeah. How do they get into the midfield if Warple is still in the team? Because I just thought we, I, I just think that all of a sudden we've got this weird amount of depth in the midfield. Husweight, another example. How do all these players get full minutes in the midfield? Are we going to lose good midfielders because we've got too many of them? Could we have got value for that. him and got another key position player or a small forward or something we needed? But saying that, we did have a, have a good chat about Warple a couple of weeks ago and our thoughts have changed too much because he's playing too good footy right now to have suggested that we look for a trade Well, for him. look on the weekend, Jai Newcomb, when he when he when when I found out he was a late withdrawal, yeah. I was like, oh, we're going to we're gonna get absolutely smashed today. That's right, our and most then, consistent mid. Then Warple steps up and was pretty much the best midfielder on the ground. Yeah, him and Nash really really carried the load, but especially Warple with his, uh, yeah. you know, some of the stats here, 30 touches, 15 contested possessions is huge, 11 clearances. Uh, he didn't manage to hit the scoreboard this week, but other than that, he played a pretty much a full game. Uh, shout out also to Conan Nash, who also got uh, 15 contested possessions and eight clearances himself. So both played really well in the midfield and our midfield won on the day, as you mentioned earlier in the pod, which is fantastic. Newcomb, obviously, I reckon would have been a massive help for that game, especially given his outside damage he's, yeah. he's developed in his game. Coming off a 40-touch game would have been great to see him play again. But, yes, you're right. Um, Warple's form was good enough to get a contract, and I loved that they only gave it him to free agency yeah. because Warple's been so consist- inconsistent across his sort of career. If he was to dip or we might develop other good mids, we'd have the option of maybe getting some value for him. But for now, he's a hawk and we love it. And he's got all the chance he might get a longer contract if he keeps his form up. It's funny. No matter what Warple does on the weekend, he's got a green tick next to his name yeah. for season 2023. He just needs to make sure that this form and this consistency from 2023 takes into 2024. and doesn't drop off because I'd hate to see him win another PCM this year. He'll be right up there. I don't know if he'll quite win it. But he wins a PCM and then he goes back to the form that he went to after he won his last PCM. And that would be, that's probably the biggest challenge with him is he's going to obviously have a massive break as all players are going to do, uh, are going to be having uh, until next year. We just don't want that break to disrupt his form and his momentum of, of having a really good season. Yeah. And good call because I think he was the most under pressure player probably this coming into the year yeah him and will day and they both had and maybe connor nash on that on that note as well all three players were you know where do they go sort of from here um and they've all 
just shone. And, well, Ch- and Chad was well before he did his Achilles tendon, which is disappointing. But you're right. It, it was mainly a lot of our midfielders because we came into the season being like, well, we've lost Tom Mitchell. We've lost Jay Gromira. We're the 18th ranked midfield. Now we're the 118th ranked midfield because we've lost apparently our two best midfielders. How can you guys cover the load? And all, all four, and it's only improved. All four or five of our midfield rotations have been absolutely brilliant. It's the best our midfield's looked since 2018, I'd say. 100%. 100%. Um, so it, the midfield get a massive tick. And they've been consistent all year. I actually couldn't have hoped for a better midfield this year, how we've actually developed. Yeah. Um, and we come up against another young midfield this week, which should be an interesting contest. Uh, speaking of midfielders in general, but also outside players and new draft recruits, uh, Carl Amon backed up his performance last week and pretty much all season he's just developing so nicely for us one of the best trades has to be of last off season he had 27 touches 602 meters gained at 81 percent efficiency and 14 marks as well get, get that he was everywhere he he was an interesting one uh on the weekend because you watch him and you see him a lot and then you're like oh who were the best players on the day and i wouldn't be upset if you didn't put Amon in there just because he was playing a little bit of a kick-to-kick sort of game. Like, he got it and just kicked it and kept running. But he wasn't doing anything super impactful or effective, which is the Carl Amon we have known this year, which is those balls inside 15 lead-ups a lot. If you go to his uh, heat map, a lot of it is uh, chipping it around the back and not really creating plays like he he's there to do and what he normally does. So the Carl Amon game, and then some of his disposals, especially in the first quarter and decision-making, was really questionable and after the game I'm like oh Carl Amon was okay and then I really thought about it a little bit deeper I'm like oh it was a pretty average 27 possession game yeah maybe I slightly disagree with you I thought it had to be a different game because Melbourne's defense is so different and our game style was clearly different it was hold the ball at all costs sort of thing at the start yeah. we didn't want to kick it long to that lever and may combination so and Rivers as well had a fantastic game by them by the way um you could tell that we were scared to bite off those long kicks and for good measure because whenever we did kick a long, Lever pretty much grabbed everything. So Yeah, him and May. I thought it May. I thought it was a good game personally, de- depending on the conditions. Um, anyone else that you like before we get into our votes? I'm going to go with uh, Ned Reeves and that's for the second week in a row. I know last week he really broke even with Tim English, if not beat him. And this week he definitely broke even with the 200 gamer in Max Gorn. He had 26 hit-outs, which was more than Gorn's 22. He actually took four marks, which is a lot more than what he normally takes. He takes one mark or zero, and he just looked really likely around the contest. So there was a few times where Melbourne would bomb it down the line, and you just knew that if Reeves wasn't going to mark it, he was going to at least halve it. And that's something that we haven't really seen from him. We've seen him get beat, as both of our rucks have, a lot this year. And I feel like Reeves' last few weeks have been really good. And it's been enough to keep Meek out of the side. And he'll probably keep Meek out of the side this week again. And Meek had 25 possessions and three goals at Box Hill. And Reeves had a pretty good game at AFL level. So he'll probably keep Meek out of the side. I, I really liked Reeves' last month of footy. Yeah, I agree. I think he's turned his season around really well in these last few weeks. It, yeah. it was disappointing that maybe all year he hasn't really shown that 2022 form. Uh, that's what I keep thinking about. It's like, oh, it's taken right to the last round for our rucks to finally get it together. So just the same as I said to Warples, he just needs to take a bit of momentum into next season and make sure that it just doesn't stop. But he was fine. Yeah. No, fantastic. Um, should we get into our votes now? Yeah, I think we might have the same three. We've already talked about him, so I won't talk about him too much. But I went with James Warple. Yeah, I had to go with James Warple. He was the dominant midfielder on the ground. He won territory for us. He got and in there dirty. And he just looked like a guy brewing with confidence right now. You get, um, yeah, I mean, you get extra points for Newcomb being out. And I think having so too. To, yeah. to carry that midfield load, it was good. 30 possessions, 11 clearances. Didn't have his mate Newcomb and was everywhere. And that's probably... All you need to say about James Warple and his game on the weekend. You're coming up against a Jack Viney, a Clayton Oliver, and, and a Christian Petrarca, which is arguably the best three midfielders uh, uh, in a club, like in terms of midfield groups in the AFL, that Melbourne would have to be right up there as number one. Yep. Um, so, so he did He, he did awesome. Who did you go with number two? Amon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I did. I... I, I... I understand your logic. I thought that giving out game style was to work hard, get free, and get long kicks going for the switches. I thought Amon was the best player at doing that all day. He had this 604 metres gain for a reason. He went at 27 touches. 
Yes, a lot of them was uncontested, but he took 14 marks. So the work rate was second to none. And I thought he was the best in terms of getting open for those switch balls all day. He's really enabled us. And I think it's just reward for a whole season, really, of, of steady improvement from the beginning, but now just consistent form. And we're seeing the player he was at Port Adelaide pretty much every week now, which is just fantastic. Well, I've gone with uh, C-Mac. I did Conor, too. Connor McDonald yep. as, as, as my two. Um, oh, sorry. I went with him as number one, yeah, but so. go on. Oh, yeah, and 19 disposals at 90% disposal efficiency, which is a lot higher than what he usually has. And obviously the two goals. Uh, he kicked one out of bounds on the full just before his second goal. Um, but he just loves the moment. And every time he gets the ball, he does something reasonably good with it. He, he's been awesome. I mean, like 19 disposals and a goal is kind of the average C-Mac game that we see. This 19 and 2 goals was a totally different sort of performance. That's right. He looked a lot more damaging, a lot more involved. And I think this is where I, like, if I had a benchmark for where I wanted to see Matt to be at the end of the year, I'd be very happy with how he is now. He's developed yeah. so nicely, and every year his development has been consistent with, I think, where it's supposed to be at. You compare him to players in similar positions, you know, regarding their career, and I think he's definitely the one where he's just, every year he's going to get better and better and better. So He just oozes class. Like, yeah. he's a very classy player. Well, you know what you're not, you know what you're going to get with C Mac, and you know that as he gets more games into him, you're just going to get more and more. Yeah, and this is a guy who didn't even get a Rising Star nomination last year, which is quite incredible to think. Well, there was one that you did miss with one, and you'd be like, oh, who, who, who haven't we talked about? Like who, whatever. But this guy did two weeks in a row, and it was my one, number one last week as well, and it was uh, Dimmer Hardwick. Yeah, Blake that's Hardwick. Fair. He kept Pickett to just the five touches. Pickett was I didn't notice him all day. And Pickers are pretty nosy. Probably why I didn't notice Hardwick all day either. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you should have because he had 22 touches himself. There you go. So he gets a lot. The best thing about Hardwick is, okay, McGuinness is a midfielder, shuts his midfielder down. They don't get a lot, but he doesn't normally get a lot of touches mm. either. Hardwick is one that his player, you don't see him for the rest of the day. It's like That's Hardwick, a good point. Hardwick goes, he's a plane ticket. You can fly to Perth and then come fly back and I'll still be here racking up the pill. <laughs> So, like, Hardwick is very noticeable during games. He it takes a lot of kickouts. He's, a very, he's very much a link-up player in the, in the defense, in, in scoring chains, but from the from right at the back half. And I just feel like he was, he was awesome. Yeah, I think he's that player for me who I take so much for granted because he yeah. does his job so well. And over so many years, it's just that player you just expect a good game out of, and he's always on the team sheet. And You'll realize when he's gone. Yeah, I think so too. I think we really need pretty badly support for both dimmer and sis yeah clearly that defense is weak without them yeah um, well, they're the three two ones I, i'd like to go on to a bit of sis at the moment because he had an okay game but and, and he's had a really good season and he'll be all australian this year no doubt jake Malksham got the better of him pretty easily yeah he, was he had a, about seven eight scoring shots to jake yeah. Malksham. I, I think since Ross Lyon sort of put Sharman on him, I think they've sort of figured out yeah, that if you, if you put someone on him but make him accountable to a player, because they know Sis likes to fly off players and, slide, you know, come across packs. If you can get someone just sort of running around, you're pretty much playing with a loose no, forward. I've worked it out, and they did it. They did two things on him. The first, they put Lockie Hunter on him a little bit, and every time Melbourne were going forward, Sisley was on Hunter, and Hunter would just suck him up to yeah, a win. Yeah, I saw that in the vision, yeah. And then they'd go over the top of him and, and try and get a Van Royen or someone flying up. And then they put Malksham on him. And similar to Cooper Sharman, they put aerialists on them because Sisley likes Scrimshaw and a lot, like a lot of our defence. We play in front. So those sort of players push Sisley under the ball and try and get over the back of him. So if you put long balls on Sisley, Sisley likes to defend them. But you, you notice when Sisley intercepts, he runs back and not forward to intercept a lot of the time. If yep. you put a player right on his back, then it's really hard to make him do mm. that. And we saw Cooper Sharman do it really effectively a few rounds ago. Malcolm played that exact same role. The difference is Malcolm's a, a seasoned veteran now. So what he has awesome positioning, which means Malcolm could also impact the game himself instead of just tagging. Uh, intercept defender. So what is your answer for this then? Well, it's literally we just need more defenders uh, to free Sisley up. I think so. so I, I think need, that, that's a, a basic We there. need to play a spare, but Sisley has to be that spare. So they'll keep going. The 
the tagger will keep going to Sicily, but we need a spare to kind of take the attention off. I don't know if that's the only option, I think. Because Will Day went back there and it freed up Sicily. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think Hawthorne play that sort of style. We play much more attacking than playing spares yeah. in defence and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I think you have to find a better way to, to counteract that, whether it's Sis changing his game style a little bit. But he's going to get more attention. He's a good player. Well, he still had a good day himself. It just, you're right, going the other way, he was a bit of a liability in the end with how much Melksham got. Well, it seemed like we were rattled a little bit. And we noticed when we tagged Nick Dacos and they sent Dacos to full forward and us as Hawthorne fans were like, oh, we've won the game. We're done. They're rattled by this. On the weekend, we sent Sicily to a centre bounce. And not just one. I think he attended about six of them. So, I mean, when you start doing that to players that, they're not their natural positions. Um, then it tells that we're pretty rattled by it. And he got well beaten, but he still racked up heaps for us and, and still played an okay game. But it's a little bit alarming to see that a player of that calibre can be beaten. But we've seen it all year with Finn McGuinness that he can tag the best of the best. That's right. No, no one is... Uh, untaggable. No one, obviously, is untaggable. Yep. You know, if you put enough attention to them and you understand how they play, you're going to find weaknesses in their game. So that makes perfect sense. Should we get into the next game now? Yeah, I was about to ask you the same thing. We've got Freo last game of the round. A rare mm. Freo game at the MCG. Yeah. I can think of two clashes, one in 2011, one in 2014 um, at the MCG. Both were, were really nice wins as well. This is on Saturday, 145, to celebrate 10 years since... The 2013 Grand Final, the start of a three-peat. Um, beautiful, beautiful memory. Which was another game that I missed, which was a Hawks Freo MCG game as well. Um, yeah, I, I, this, it's interesting. You go into last round, there's not too much to play for. You just kind of want to see the band put it together for the last time. That's right. And, and close it out with a win. It's, it's not really a game you look at super tactically. You just kind of... We know what we've been doing the last couple of weeks and how we've been playing. We just want to attack the game a similar way. And it might also be a chance to give players a last chance before their contract's up or yeah. blood a, a debutant or something like that. So you look for little things within players more than you do in any other game. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll, they'll definitely you know go to, the, go to the drawing board and look at who they're going to put in for this game. But I, I think also it's really important for me we try and win this game. I think it's oh, really, yeah. you, you finish the season off in a good way and you start your preseason in, in a similar way. It's just nice to be able to springboard in the next year with confidence that we're heading in a good direction and we might have a better season next year in terms of climbing the ladder. I'm interested about this game a lot also because Lukey Bruce is on 45 goals. Oh, just get him to 50. And I just have a feeling that we could maybe just pull him to 50 if he, he, he has a big day out. Oh. G against average Freo defenders. And, and being the only three-peat player on the ground, uh, he, he won't be joining in his own reunion. He'll be out there playing. Yeah, great uh, to see. While the others celebrate. So that'll be a really good thing for him if, if we can manage to give him five. Before we yeah. get into the, the rest of the game, obviously, and talk a bit about you know how we're going to approach it, um, let's get into team prediction. That's always fun in the last round, especially given this time of year. Um, go over some what you thought. Well, I was really weighing up whether to chuck Newcomb back in or rest him in Cottonwall. It kind of just depends how bad the injury is. I'm, I'm not adding in Mitch Lewis. I think we're wrapping him up. Yeah, I'm the same. Don't worry Lewis. about Mitch Lewis. Uh, he's already he's injury prone himself. That yep. You don't really want to risk it. Last game, nothing to no, play for. No, he has not much to game for. But I, I think from what Sam Mitchell said in one of his press conferences, he's actually really keen to play still. Oh, of course. So but, I wouldn't but be surprised. You would be as a, as a player anyway. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a, there's a pretty decent chance he But anyway, I'll go to my changes just flat out. I've gone in Brandon Ryan, mm-hmm. Newcomb, like I have chosen to bring in Newcomb. Yep. And Cooper Stevens' debut because he had an awesome game for Box Hill on Friday night against Frankston. I think he had like 20, 32 touches or something like that. Out, I've gone Ramsden and Long. And I wanted Stevens to debut and I didn't know who to take out. So I was thinking either Josh Ward or Jai Sarong. Just for its balance. Because okay. like Sarong comes out, yeah, I think just, yeah, it's more of a balance thing. And he yeah. was a sub. And, and maybe we... We might even chuck Newcomb down as a forward pocket and give Stevens 
uh, some midfield minutes because Newcomb's pretty dangerous in the forward line anyway. Yeah. And, and, and we just give a few things a trial. There's nothing to gain out of this game. Obviously, we want to win it and we'll do our best to win it. Um, but I wouldn't mind trying a few things as well. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of giving someone their first game in the last round of the we season. We did it to Harry Morrison. Yeah, which ago. I think is kind of a bit of a tease. Like you get a bit of a taste test of someone and then you go, okay, well, we might see you next year. <laughs> or, you know, we'll wait, wait another six months before we see you again. So I don't know. Cuba Stevens, I think, has had the whole season again to the team. Bring and him in last. Yeah, bring him last. Yeah. And he had a good, really good Box Hill game, which we'll get to later. Um, yeah, he probably somewhat deserves it, but it's just like Husswick came in last week with Long. We've got Newcomb probably coming back in. There's a lot of mids on the list. I don't know if he's going to get to play in his desired position. I do want Newcomb to come back in, given that he had his 40-touch game last time, and I think it's just really nice for him because I honestly reckon he's leading out... Um, Peter Crimmins medal pretty comfortably, to be honest with you. I just like to see him play one last time. I think he's been, for me, the highlight of the season in terms of an individual performer, along with probably Day. I'd love to see Brandon Ryan come in, similar with you. I think he has to play. He's got his short contract. I think he'll get one no matter what, even if he doesn't play. But he was fantastic against Collingwood. We, we've missed him dearly since then. And I would love to see Sarong still be in, personally. I think you can't just give a player one quarter of a game like that and then not give him a game for the rest of the year. I think that's so cruel. And I think he was good enough to show that he deserves it. And I think he might be out of the contract as well. So, uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, I should have looked at that facts before the game, uh, before the pod. But anyway, I just think that you want to see more of him. Uh, and especially if he's going to be out of a contract, you know, he's pretty much playing for his career, obviously. Um, for outs, I actually had Denver out. I'm kind oh, of, yeah. Kind I'll, of t- I'll, I didn't mind him on the weekend. Yeah, he, he was okay nice for a half. I think it was okay for a little bit more. I think he presented well. Denver definitely tires. Yeah. I don't think he has the tank yet to run out for. I games. just think we're playing him in such a temporary role. I just think we're just trying to fill a forward need right now that he just does not have. I think he was drafted as a defender. He hasn't shown enough as a forward to really hey, suggest to me that he's... bloody like a forward on the weekend. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but come on. Like, do you actually think this his long-term future is in forward line? I doubt it. No, I can't I... say it. I think it's got to be defence. So, if he's not playing defence for me... He needs to be out of the team, either working on his craft or getting traded. I'm kind of sick of him seeing in the, in the forward line, kicking maximum on a goal a game. Uh, he's, he's played 28 games. And that I saw that and I'm like, God, has he played yeah. that many? Yeah. When you look at, and you look at a player like Giant Newcomb, who's played 50, yeah. and the amount of football he's dished up, the kind of quality. I know they're different positions and I know the continuity for Denver's hard. And he is, you know, I probably shouldn't have made that comparison. He's a young key forward and key forwards take forever to develop. But I just don't think playing him at forward at AFL level is really doing much in terms of our long-term ambitions for that. I'd rather see someone actually playing forward that might be there. I would have, wouldn't have minded seeing Checker getting a bit of a go towards the end. I think he's pretty much gone now. Um, and if I do bring in Lewis, I just say just give MP a rest or someone old like that. Yeah. Um, that's my changes. But I, think I mean, can... if there's anyone carrying an injury, let's send them off to surgery nice and early so they can be ready right for preseason. So that's... That goes with Mitch Lewis. I wouldn't be rushing him back if he needs any conditioning to do in the off-season, any surgeries, anything like that, or send them right now. And that goes with maybe Jarman Imp. He could be carrying an injury as well. Yeah. So that's some with him. I know with Frost, we're not getting him back, maybe ever. Um, or Yeah, I'd say a bit of the list, just, just <laughs> positional needs. Before we like get more into, the, obviously, the Freo game and players to watch and stuff, just want to go back for one second. Do you think if we had have had these players in, like Newcomb, Lewis... Uh, Brandon Ryan, we would have beaten Melbourne. And Day I mean, stays on last quarter. It's so easy to say in hindsight to be like, oh, yeah, of course. Because um, that team that we, that pretty much all these players were naming, we fielded them against Collingwood. And I thought that was when our list was probably at its strongest. Absolutely. And I mean, like, Dylan Moore kicks a goal 10 seconds into the last quarter and we're trailing by seven. You have new but that was a dysfunctional forward line. Like, let's have, be honest. I know. If you have Wingard in that forward line, who's been our key kind of score creator since he's come back in, you have Newcomb at that following centre bounce. Um, in, not just across that centre bounce, even like floating forward and across other areas of the ground. And then you, you know, you have actual players that could stop Lever from taking contested marks. Like and Brandon I, Ryan I mean, and Mitch Lewis would have given them hell compared to what Denver and Cozzy could do alone. Oh, 100%. And I think Lever and May are probably going to get the better of most of opponents most weeks. But, but we, Mitch we, Lewis we, we really been, did field a weak forward line. Yeah, Mitch Lewis would have been a, a, a way tougher matchup for those two um, and than what we dished up. And Brandon Ryan's another one that, that's 
a, a really awkward type to match up on as well. So, yes, if you have Mitchell Lewis, Ryan Wingard and Newcomb, you get a lot closer. And whether we won, I'm not sure, but it'd be a lot closer than 27 points. Fair enough. All right, we'll move on. I just wanted to float that by you. No, fair enough. What about um, play to watch for this next game? I'm going with the guy we just mentioned in uh, Jacob Kaczynski. I did the exact same. That's the first time all year we've done the exact same play to watch. That's very true. I actually did had no idea you were going to do that. And maybe for the same reason that he's playing to save his career. I think so. I think he's shown flashes in the pan of brilliance across the year. Signs that he might actually have a little bit of it. You know, start sticking some marks. But he... I think he was a bit set up to failure, but he got towed up on the weekend pretty is much. Is there any player on our list currently that is the most 50-50 going into next year, whether he's going to be on the list or not? I reckon he is a 50-50. Like, I reckon I can't pick where he, if, if he's going to be at the club or not next year at all. I, don't, yeah, I have no I, I idea. I don't know either. I think... I reckon if he kicks four, he stays. Like, that's my uh, thing. I think he'll be on the list anyway, personally. I think that it's just a need right now. We just don't have coverage for. I think you put that many years in key position plays, you sort of have to hold on to them. We saw it with Tim O'Brien as well and Ryan Shawmakers to a large degree. Um, but, yeah, you, you're sort of now because he's coming to the what he's like fourth, fifth year in the system, you want to see some, like, legitimate consistency in his game. And without when Lewis isn't there... He's useless, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Kaczynski, he'll be on Brennan Cox or Alex Pierce or whoever they've got down the back. But I, um, I think the point is I wanted to see him with Brandon Ryan next to him to maybe take him away from him. Yeah, I think, I think Cozzy does play better when... Definitely when he's not the main man. He was yeah, definitely he's the main man forward. on the weekend. But I reckon he plays even better as a third. But that's... I think that kind of answers questions for us where... If he can't play as a second and only plays well as a third, then he's only playing good when the third best defender's on him. You're probably right. But also, I, I, I always remind myself of this, is I, Mitch Lewis early days, I thought didn't I have know. it. I and mean, I thought he was just a you know late draft pick. He looked like a bit of a plonker at first. And Mitch Lewis, for me, my eyes just light up whenever I see him. I think one he's, he's one of the best players I've seen come through Hawthorne for ages in terms of key position players. I love him to bits, but when he first came on list, I was really wary of him and didn't think he was going to make it. There's one difference. I just feel like Kaczynski just lacks a little bit of footy smarts and that separates him. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, for me, I think because he just can't really impose himself. He doesn't look like an imposing figure that can really just stamp his time. The only time I saw it really this year was... Last week he did some Last week, stuff, that's yeah. right. And yeah. the Collingwood game, he was pretty good as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I got him as my player to watch as well. Good. Do you have any goals coming into this week of, of what you maybe not goals is probably not the right word word but what do you want to see like what it's the last game of the year i mentioned before there's not really too much to play for you're sitting down watching this on either tv or at the ground on the weekend what are you hoping to see i want to see a smash him oh say honestly i actually do I, I know we're talking about bringing in like young players and messing the list around but honestly the, with the form that we've dished up in the last sort of five weeks you know, even going back to the Saints game, like we, we 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 just had such a bad first quarter against them. I think our form has been fantastic the second half of the year. It's I've been, been so happy. It's been good since the GWS game. Yeah, and I I want to see us beat what I consider a lower team compared to what we've been playing at our home ground at our ten year premiership reunion when we beat them for our first premiership in five years at that time. I want to see us pump them. I want to see a big MCG win. And I want to see us play with the intensity, the flair, the drive, the attacking spirit that we've been playing with the last few weeks. So I, I, I want a big win, you know. And I, I usually am pretty happy with any win. But against Frio, who have had probably the most disappointing season based on expectations, you know, I want to pump them. Well, I mean, it's not time for our tips, but I'm going to go there just for because yeah. it's an awesome segue. I've tipped us by 45. I oh, see. I'm saying I'm going to thumb them, but I've only tipped us by 20. <laughs> I'm, I'm realistic as well. <laughs> I've, tipped, I've tipped us by 45. <laughs> I think and, and it's really bold saying that because Justin Longmuir has forget, never... If, I, if we get smashed, then it's on you. Right. <laughs> Justin Longmuir has never lost to us. There you go. Yeah, so, we don't have a good record against Freo, Freo, Freo's been a bit of a bogey team, and I'm coming out here saying, oh, yeah, last round, we're in good form. Yeah. They're in good form too, but 45. And that's the other way to want to smash him because early in the year when we... I think we might have won the game before we played them. No, we had that three-game period of the Okay, that's losses. right. Yeah, the, and the, we came the into Giants Freo. and Adelaide game. And I thought we could really go down there and give them, you know, give them a ride. But 
we've, our, our waveform has been terrible Yeah, This is at the G. It's time we finally correct this stupid team that we can't manage to beat. He really a bang average in the comp for years. have been bang average in my opinion. So I want to beat him. Well, that brings us into what's dangerous about them. And, and I think b- before we played Port this year on the pod, I mentioned that young midfielders kind of really trouble us sometimes. Yep. And then the Jason Horn Francis, Zach Butters and Connor Rosie gave us an absolute bar they did. at the Adelaide Oval. And I feel like Freo is a bit the same with the Sarong and the Brayshaws, those types. We really struggle against them. Yeah, not not every game, but if we're going to struggle against any midfielders, generally the more younger, fast ones. And then we, talk, we talked about Ned Reeves before, and he was really good against Max Gorn and, and Tim English, and they're kind of like big, dopey Ruckman. Now, he's coming up against Luke Jackson, who towered us early in the year. He has a bit more versatility to him. So I I don't know about Reeves's. Uh, ability to run with him around the ground because Reeves just isn't a good runner and Luke Jackson is just going to take off. We're going to find out. So Luke Jackson is probably the one player to watch for them. Who already gave us a bath early in the year, but he's really improved since moving across to Freo. He's really turning into an okay player. I, I actually didn't really rate him that much at Melbourne. And when he was talked about going to Freo, I'm like, oh, you're really going to pay we, a lot for him? We could swap Meek for Reeves. Because Meek had a great box yeah, outing. Awesome probably, probably the best box outing awesome. I've seen anyone awesome really game. play this year. I, I don't remember all his stats, but he kicked a couple of goals. Some bangers. I think, I think he kicked three goals, actually. It'd be two pretty, or three. He had a great game. He kicked uh, three goals, had 25 touches. I think it'd be really harsh to drop Ned Reeves based on his form. But in terms of matchups, I can't really see Reeves beating him around the ground. Mm. Yeah. No, Freo do have a bit of a dangerous midfield. But honestly, even when I was trying to analyze their trends of games and how they've won their games and how they've lost, you know, they're just such an inconsistent team. Like, yeah. a, it's like one of those teams you just don't know who's going to turn up on the day. It's a team that you can't, like, what's their style? What's their brand? What, oh. what, what type do they play? Like, it's pretty defensive. Yeah, it is. It, it's kind of boring to watch. There's yeah. a lot of down the line kicking and relying on their mids to mop up contested ball. Yeah, it's not an exciting brand of footy that they play they're not one of the most exciting teams in the comp but they do have play like annoying players like uh Lockie Schultz and Sam Sukowski that's right um those kind Amos of is pretty good Jai Amos is, is a young key forward that he's probably their only key forward which is which helps a little bit um so I'm not really worried about much of their tall timber and then their backline like Luke Ryan and and guys like that to just rake rack up so much of the pill Hayden Young as well um, and generate a lot of plays off half-back. Their wingers in, like, James H and, and just Trav Collier. Guys like that just kind of, I don't know, they're annoying. So what's that key to winning this one? I mean, just keep doing what you've been doing the last five <laughs> yeah. weeks, to be honest. That's, that's some great quality <laughs> analysis. Um, critical analysis right there. I've, just said, I've actually just said on my running sheet, pressure. So mine's not much better, but, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it is that. And I think we've really struggled uh, this year with sides that do pressure us a lot. And I think we've yeah. been lucky the last couple Except of weeks. Except for the dogs. I thought we, we, we the dogs pressured well. us, especially really early. They lacked off a bit. But I don't think Melbourne really gave us so much pressure. No, they, they sat off a lot more with it. They, they rely on their defence heavily. They definitely put a lot of numbers to the contest. But I don't know. Their pressure didn't seem that high. Well, no. They, they really do flood their defence. Yeah. Like, that. you know, a couple of times we're kicking in there. Their whole team was virtually in that defence. Yeah. So, it, yeah, that plays a bit different. All right. Should we continue talking about this game or should we go on to something else? I mean, as I said, there's really not much, nah, to, there's talk not much about. to talk about this one. What about Box Hill? How did they go? They went awesome against Franks. And I yeah. think the first quarter they were going against the wind. Um, yeah, it took them a bit to get in It was here. a really slow start. Bailey McDonald kicked his first goal in the brown and gold. Yeah, I love, I love, I love Bailey. I reckon he'll come on really well, especially next year. He's got a really good chance to... And the fact that he's got two games this year was a really good sign for Bailey. Um but Meek, Stevens, and McKenzie were kind of the standouts. Of the well, day. I think McKenzie had about six touches in the first minute of the game. Yeah, he, I think he, he ended started with twenty-five with a, in the end. Yeah, he yeah. started with a house on fire and then was pretty consistent throughout the game. Lloyd Meek was the dominant big man on the ground. Uh, yeah, Sam Butler is a guy that has so many chances at goal and seems to just fluff them mm. or get caught with it. He's an he's a really that small forward guy. role really worries me going forward. Still, I. Wingard's out, and he was our little creative playmaker for this last five, six-week block. And now, all of a sudden, we don't, we have no one to sort of fill that void. I'm a bit disappointed about that. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else played great roles. I, uh, Clay Tucker got his first goal 
in the brown and gold as well. We only had three possessions, but got a nice snap in the last quarter. Ferg, only the one goal of five touches. Was really yeah, quiet. that's really disappointing. It's disappointing Ferg. in the fact that we need to make some really tough list decisions at yeah. the end of the year. And it's not a great time to be serving up performances like that. Yeah, this is disappointing because I'm I'm big on Fergus. You're, you're a Ferg fan. You're probably oh, president of the Fergus Green. Oh, I do. I love Fergus Green. I think he's a great player. I think he is a good lead. He's a good kick. He's proven Box Hill talent for many years now. I loved him at Box Hill. I was so happy when he was put on the list. But I was wrong. I said at the start of the year that I said that he would be on like a starting 22 player by the end of the year. And he fell off. And he hasn't found his way back on the list oh, in terms of the you know starting AFL team. So... I don't know what happens with him. I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't get delisted. I think he's great depth. If a forward goes out, he can come in. But I don't really know if Sam Mitchell likes the third sort of tall forwards that much. I think he's more plays the key forwards are small. So it's interesting. Yeah, he likes the two keys and just small swarming at the feet. Yeah, because I, I was always wondering how Ferg would go with the tall, sort of taller timber, but he hasn't got much of a go. Only only really had a go when Lewis was out earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's disappointing. But otherwise, Box Hill, they've got the bye this week for the wild card round, so we don't get to watch them, which is unfortunate. But we'll see a lot of those box, uh, those Hawthorne listed players also in Box Hill. And I think there's a few that are eligible um, to go back. I think DGB plays finals. Morrison for box probably Hill. would be as well. Morrison would be another. So I think we've got a few that are currently in the Actually, I think side. I've read somewhere that Morrison needs to play one more game. He might get dropped this week. I mean, you know what? Do it. We, we're struggling. If he's, and if he's, he was not great on the weekend. I thought he was serviceable. Uh, compared to the, the performances he has been showing. I mean, it's a different probably... kind of game. I don't think any of the wingers had amazing games other than Amon. So uh, let's get into trade talk before we finish up because I know we've been gone for a while. Um, I want to run some names by you because we're silly season starting. We're being linked with these players all the time. And given we got to make some tough calls in the off-season. It's um, a fun week-to-week exercise because I think you played a similar game with me I a did. week or two ago. And I it'll did. be interesting to see if my answers change. I'm going to throw some similar names, but also some different ones. So I'll start with the most prominent name we keep getting linked to all the time. And these articles come up every day now. He's uh, Radicalia. Well, I mean, he seems the most obvious now. Um, obviously, massive reports of, of us being almost front runners now. Or definitely upping the ante on, on looking for a deal for him. Um <sighs> To be honest, I wish we weren't after him. Like, there's not a lot of key position defenders available or around or out of contract. Do you just take him anyway to see how he goes? Oh, there's a guy running around at Essendon called Cade Bo- Kane Baldwin. And mm-hmm. there's a, and also Brandon Zerk Thatcher. Both who I think are out of contract and are gettable that would cost a lot less and have shown a lot more upside than what I've seen. Well, Zerk Thatcher, I can't yeah. imagine them letting him go. Well, I think Port Adelaide into him as well. So they'll get one of Radaglia or Zerk Thatcher. Are they, are they rather... short in those positions? I thought they yeah, had them. Yeah, no, they are. Okay. Trent McKenzie, I think, is their only one. Tom Jonas just retired. Ali is the other one. Um, but obviously Trent McKenzie um, is injured and uh, Tom Jonas just okay. retired. So, yeah. yeah, they've got issues down defence. But so do we with only James Blaine. So you won't be happy with Radaglia? I mean... Do, do, do you go back? Do you go back to saying like, "Oh, in Sam and Mark McKenzie, we trust." <laughs> it's a nice like, little like it, it's that doesn't make that doesn't make for fun conversation, does it? It's always the scapegoat, but I feel like we if we're after him, it has to be some sort of system, like. It has to do with our system and maybe not his <laughs> yeah, no, but Having I mean, a like, good key defender. Like, I don't, yeah, but you, you said good key defender. Oh, I don't well, think radically... Even, even a key defender. Realistically, Radical- like you look at, you know, who we've got competing with him, Frost and Blank. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I don't rate Radicalia that much above Sam Frost. But do you rate him above Sam Frost? Considering he's younger than him. By a B's. Okay. By a B's dick. Okay. That's that's very small. <laughs> Did you um, rate Radically? Do you want to see him at the club in the brown and gold next year? Um, yeah, I'm, he's really. I'm really torn because I saw him play a couple weeks ago. I think it was against Collingwood. He looked shocking. Um, but I also see him. You realise we have to trade for. I remember him. in the preseason he touted us up to be honest with you. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, <laughs> I think he could be a good swingman for us, like forward and back. And and the, the, see the thing is with me, right? Key key position players don't grow on trees. And no, you don't know how much they're going to come along. So if you can get one, you just sort of go for one. And sometimes the change of scenery can be massive. And Radically hasn't really had the consistency he'd like. He's been in and out of the team pretty much for the last two years. So honestly, if we can't get anyone else in the offseason, I think we need to keep position play no matter what. We have to get one of them in. If we can't get anyone else, like you say, with Thatcher or Baldwin, I take him 100%. The only thing I see as a massive upside with Radicalia is he's just a massive body. He's a big boy. 
He, yeah. yeah, he's a big boy. He's not, he's not very calm on the ball, but he's a big boy. Yeah, so I, I feel like there's something there, but you realise we have to trade for him. And I'd, I, for future fourth or nothing for me, I'd like to get him for free. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah so, I, I don't know. yeah, there's a, it's an interesting one, but I thought it flew him out. The other one I've got here is uh, Jack Silvani. Yeah, I like that. And, and there's a little bit of linking to him going to other clubs, and I'd be interested in him because of his versus. Like, that guy can play ruck. Yeah. I, I, I like his marking capability down forward. Yeah. I think Mitch Lewis is dying for a partner, and we talk about Cozzy going for his little trial at the end of this year, but any key position players, once again, he's proven AFL. He He's not my favourite player in the league, never has been. He, he, Don't think he's amazing, but he's serviceable. He's an interesting one because he's coming from... A side that has Harry Mackay and Charlie Kurnow where he can really play that third role. Now, when if he comes to us and we don't target a second forward as well as Jack Silvani, then Jack Silvani kind of becomes a second forward. Pending that Ryan... We don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Ryan and if DGB is going to play uh, forward forever and all those kind of scenarios. But let's just say Jack, uh, Jack Silvani plays second forward to Mitch Lewis. Do, do you rate him doing that? Or would you rather us get in a second tall as well or play Brandon Ryan or DGB as a second and Jack Silvani the third? Although I feel like if you play Brandon Ryan and or DGB, Jack Silvani is the second with those guys there anyway because he's the second best player out of those players. I don't you know, know because Brandon Ryan sort of come in now as our secondary forward. Now I'd like to see a combination of Mitch Lewis... Ryan Brandon and Ryan and Silvani. It'd be interesting yeah. prospect to see. I, I think he's got some utility, Silvani, and what can hurt? I think he's out of contract anyway, so... Yeah, I think he's just very versatile. But yeah. We have a Worcester money. It, so. Look, he's not my first pick. I'm just saying, I, I, there's a lot of players where I just wouldn't mind seeing the club just see what Sam Mitchell can do with them because I think he's a really good development coach. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go to the next one because I've got a few more. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go with Silvani. I'm happy Okay, so yes, sir. What, Jay Gresham. It's the toughest one. And... and if you asked me before Wingard was injured, I'd say... You did uh, say... You said no to me. I yeah. think I said that maybe last week on the pod, actually. Yeah. Um, he's playing some good footy right now. Like, for, for form-wise, he's great. One knock on him. And I think the one thing we need with a small forward that comes to the club, and then hopefully we draft Nick Watson because he has this in spades, his defensive pressure. Okay. Now, I think Jay Gresham um, being attacking only is a great player. It's fine. I have knocks about his defensive work rate. Yeah. and efforts um, but I mean it just really depends on what money he kind of targets like he's already on a fair bit of money at St Kilda that if if he goes oh I want 650,000 oh, we're at a war chest right now I don't yeah, think but it's going to make much yeah, difference we're going to war chest but spend it wisely on players worth spending for mm. don't spend it on kind of guys that could turn out pretty average like Jade Gresham, and I know it's different because Wingard wasn't a free agent, and Jade Gresham, I'm pretty sure, might be that we don't in in, in the space that we don't have to really trade yeah, for. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't. I still feel like Jade Gresham could have like a similar career at Hawthorne to what Wingard has, and show a lot at his previous club, come to us, and maybe not be. Well, Wingard was injured his whole time, so. But yeah, yeah, I see your point. Okay, so that's a no for Jade Gresham still. It's a. At the right money. I think it's a need right now. I'd say yes for him, 100%. At the right, at the right money. Okay. Fair enough. What about um, Kyle Lohman? Yes. I mean, he cost you nothing. Uh, a lot of potential upside. Best mates with Sam Butler. I mean, like... <laughs> He's mate that can't get into it, the team. It's really funny. My the logic, mate that's going to get him to listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, my logic with these is really interesting to the fact that, like, I'm saying no to guys that are a little bit proven at AFL level, like Jake Gresham, and then saying... Like, I'm saying no to Jay Gresham, but I'm saying 100% yes to a guy that hasn't proven himself at all. And most games he's played for Brisbane have been sub. But there's so many attributes about Kyle Lohman, whether he's, like, really fast, yeah, um, evasive, good forward craft. Like, he's more of a natural forward. Yeah, he is, he's raw and unproven, though. I, yeah. I get what you mean. So, but he, he costs you nothing. But, yeah, but you're big on us not giving up anything. And like, also, we've got a war chest. Yeah. But there's also a guy of the name of Ben King, who, yeah, well, you've which jumped, you're probably going to you're probably gonna talk about Well, let's next. talk about him now. Well, there's a guy called Ben King that's out of contract next year um, where I doubt a club is going to have enough money as us to offer him. To the Bombers, I think, is the only other one I can think of. So, like, why waste all your money 
on a Jay Gresham or Radigley or whoever you want to bring into the club this year when you've got a guy of that caliber. Like you're talking about, oh, imagine Silvani next to Mitch Lewis. Imagine Ben King next to Mitch Lewis. Mm. Wait a year for that. Yeah. Well, use your money on that. I agree. It's that's kind of about that, that, using your money huge. a bit. Yeah. Um, like you're saying, oh, we have a war chest, sign up Jay Gresham. It's like, yeah, but you don't pay a, money, a lot of money to a guy that barely, that's form barely deserves. I can't imagine Hawks will do that anyway. I think they, that'd be quite well spenders i know we you know you have to actually spend a certain amount of salary cap as well yeah so we do need to meet these quotas anyway <laughs> yeah you can't hoard all your money but yeah well, so that's interesting then the last one i got for you oh by the way is ben king a yes or a no not for this year okay you, you, you want to make sure we don't give up anything i don't that's, wanna, that's I don't fair enough too much. I, I, I don't think he's gone you know what gold coast did when we're after omira yeah they strong armed us and yeah no, screwed no us way. over for years Yep, uh, last one I've got, which is one that I am personally quite keen on, but I think might not really see what we, what we need in our system and everything like that, is uh, Bailey Smith. I think hey. he's gone at the end of the year. I think with Dog's display and how much depth they've got in their own midfield, I think he wants to play midfield minutes, which is a bit of an issue for me. I, I actually want him as a winger. Yeah, see, that was, I was going down the same track. He's, he's an interesting one. He's a guy that has actually had a really poor year. He has, but the dogs in the as a unit, I think, have had a poor year. He's one that I'm pretty sure has demanded more midfield minutes at the dogs and hasn't gotten because they bat really well. He deep. did on the weekend and did not play well. Exactly. So he might want midfield minutes. I don't know if he's a good enough player for that. And we're not the club that he should go to if he wants midfield minutes because although Bailey Smith, name-wise, is on like face value could be seen as better players than most of our mids. I don't agree that he is. No, I don't either. I, I actually am just going for it for outside run. Yeah. So, okay. I'll fra- I'll rephrase the question to make it contingent on what we're talking about. If he becomes a winger and he, and we tell him, Hey mate, you're not getting the inside mid midfield to set. And he, and he wants to come. Would you take him? Okay. And he's a Hawthorne supporter as well. So yeah, I know. We love a good Hawk. One actually other player I wanted to float to you just before we finish up here. Jack Ginnivan, speaking of Hawthorne supporters. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there as soon as I mentioned I that. would love it. I actually would. And I hated the guy at first because of his ducking tackles. But honestly, I think a character, uh, a little pest, we a small, him. elusive, creative forward. It's a position we're so neat. And he's a Hawk supporter. I think it would be perfect for us. I really do. You just feel like he'd be a guy that play for the jumper a bit. And we talked about Jake Gresham's defensive efforts. I feel like Jack Ginnivan has a lot more of that in him. He's a bit of a crowd pleaser. Um, It'd be like Higgins coming back to Saints, you know, from from Richmond. That's how I can see it. It just Uh, seems like it's almost written on the wall. I reckon he he could come. He's a cheaper option as well. So he's a guy that hasn't played a lot of the year at Collingwood, has just gotten back into the side now. And he's actually playing pretty good footy since he's come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, he, he's got promise. Like, he's clearly, you know, he had an amazing season last year. He won the anti Day medal, for God's sake. So I think he's got genuine talent. But I think it's not as much about the player for me, it's about the position. Yeah. And that, that position, I don't know if it's going to be filled. I know we talk about Nick Watson, but I don't know if we're going to get him. It looks like Dersma keeps getting linked to us all the time, yeah. or um, that other guy, McKercher. Yeah. Um, and even Curtin as recent days as well. So Yeah, so I don't think I don't know if we're gonna land land the wizard to be honest with you. I think um I'd be going Ginnivan over Gresham hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So that, that sort of solves it. So so out of the players I mentioned, you would not mind Silvani, Lowman, and maybe Smith if he plays wing and uh Ginnivan. Yeah. And King next year. I've got I've got him. a player for you. Okay. Off the cuff. So, Richmond need a new coach, and Chris Newman may go there. Stuart Jew, do you bring him back to the brown and gold? Depends what position. <laughs> what for? What, the forward coach? It could be he was a great forward at yeah. Port Adelaide. Yeah, has he done that role for another club? I'm sure he... Well, he I mean, he was a senior so. coach, mate. So. I don't want to get, like, play people... Like, I, I didn't love the Chris Newman switch to the forward line anyway. I'm like, you're a defender. Well, it, was, it wasn't that. It was the fact that we recruited Cade Simpson. Yeah, but that was, like, to fill that need. But the fact that they shifted him anyway was just, like, annoying, you know? So... Yeah. Yeah, I actually wouldn't mind it. I love Stewie. I think he's a great bloke. And, and I thought he'd do okay things at Gold Coast. I think Gold Coast is a bit of a rabble, to be honest yeah. with you. I think anyone would struggle to coach. I think even Dim Harwick is underestimating his job he's got on his hands. I think with their lack of support, their inconsistent players, you know, he had Took Miller injured a lot of the time, Stewie did this season. I thought he copped it a little bit hard. I'm sure time will tell with that one, but it would be the most Hawthorne move ever 
if they if David Hale gets the midfield coach taken off him and he goes moves into like I'll be furious because the something. thing you know we will obviously when we review the whole season talk more about the coaches performances across the year but David Hale has to be one of the best performing staff members at our club he was he transformed that midfield this year yeah hats off to him he must have done some amazing and he did that similar with at Frio as well so We've loved Hale. And Who was our midfield coach last year? Robert Harvey? Or was that the year before? Yeah, no, it was. Or was it Robert Harvey. Or someone like that. No, it was yeah. Harvey. And we also had um, McRae as well as our forward coach. Not last uh, not last year. Not the year before that, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right. I, don't know. I like our coaches. Well, look, we've been gone for over an hour. We've covered a lot of topics like we've been covering. We're <laughs> we going to do, we're gonna do, we, we're, we're gonna do some full episodes on these things. I just... I get excited this time of year because it's future time and we look at what's going to happen in the off-season. We love having new players to the club. So I get excited of any trade and you're a bit more level-headed in terms of you You only want the guys you really, really like. And I'm just like, you know what, give them a go. Maybe they work out in their list. But um, but yeah, when it actually comes to picking players, I think you know, you got to be really calculated with this, especially when you only have X amount of list spots. I would personally like to see Watson come on the list, but I just don't see that really happening. No, I mean, like we went for an hour tonight, but next week we don't. We don't preview a game. No. So, just going to be reviewing the last game and maybe a bit of a chatter around what happens then in the off-season. But I'm sure we'll do some off-season specials as well. Oh, definitely. James, it's great having a chat with you again for another week Absolutely. of the Hotel Fancast. Um, anything else to share? No, just you can find us on all social media. That's right. We don't even need to list them anymore because nah. you should know where... If you're listening to us right now, you know where to find us. All the podcasting platforms, wherever you can get a podcast you'll search the Hawthorne Fancast you'll find us there um, and just keep listening and hopefully we get a good win on the weekend yep thanks for your feedback and as always go the Hawks <laughs>